Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. On the evening of August 15, 2021, the Taliban announced the victory in the presidential palace of the Afghan capital, Kabul, after they had rapidly captured all major cities in the country. China has been quick to signal its acceptance of renewed Taliban rule over Afghanistan, stating on August 16 that it respects the, quote, will and decision of the people of Afghanistan. The People's Republic has met with Taliban leaders since 2019, but little is known about the contents of these meetings. While there are various economic interests in Afghanistan, the Chinese side emphasizes its interest in stability in the country, not least because an unstable Afghanistan will affect stability in China's bordering province of Xinjiang, where concerns about terrorist activities are used as the justification for rigorous control and surveillance of the local population. My name is Johannes Helle-Jon, and to talk about China's interest in Afghanistan, its relationship with the Taliban leadership, and possible steps ahead, I'm joined by Angela Stanzel, Associate Researcher in the Asia Division of the German Institute for International and Security Affairs, SVP. Her research focuses on China as well as South Asia and Afghanistan. Welcome to the podcast, Angela. Thank you very much. To start off, um, could you go over China's interests in Afghanistan? Well, I would say that there's only one core interest, uh, which is security, and it actually dates back to the 1990s under the first Taliban rule uh, when it started uh, around the mid-90s. And back then there was already uh, some spillover effect uh, into Xinjiang. And this was also the time when uh, resistance started in Xinjiang, uh, which started to worry the Chinese leadership. Um, and because of that, the Chinese government actually struck a deal with the Taliban, uh, in fact, right before 9-11, um, a deal that consisted of economic assistance from the Chinese side to, the, to Afghanistan, to the Taliban uh, leadership. Uh, and in exchange, the Taliban promised to prevent uh, any kind of um, Islamic forces influencing uh, the Chinese border or crossing over the Chinese border. Then after that, uh, right after that 9-11 happened and uh, the US and NATO troops uh, engagement in Afghanistan and the security situation improved, it actually improved so much uh, until I would say 2007, 2008-ish, that the Chinese invested or announced to invest in the largest copper mine worldwide, actually, um, Aina Copper Mine in Afghanistan. But right after the announcement of this investment, it never materialized, mainly due to the worsening of the security situation in Afghanistan and uh, the re-strengthening of um, Taliban power in the country. Around the same time, the resistance in Xinjiang also resurfaced around um, the time of the Olympics in 2008 in China. Basically, since 2008-2009, the Chinese uh, government started to crack down on the Muslim minority in the province Xinjiang, the Uyghurs, again. And in addition to that, the following years, 
ISIS, also the Islamic State, appeared uh, in the region, um, in South Asia, Southeast Asia, and also in Central Asia, namely in Afghanistan. And ISIS posed a very new threat to China. It is and was a force that the Chinese had not had to deal with directly so far um, because ISIS had been directed at um, fighting the US uh, in particular or any kind of other Western countries as we know in the Middle East and Africa. But then suddenly ISIS uh, appeared also in Afghanistan and in fact there was uh, for the very first time a direct threat voiced by ISIS in a video in reaction to the Chinese treatment of the Muslim minority uh, in Xinjiang. So since then, China invested almost only in security in the region, um, because China's main concern was maybe not so much that um, ISIS would directly cross over the border from Afghanistan to China, but through Central Asia. So we can see um, these Chinese concerns materializing in um, different kind of cooperation, security cooperation formats, for example, with Tajikistan, in particular with Tajikistan, in fact. Um, so there is a trilateral cooperation mechanism between China, Tajikistan and Afghanistan. China also started um, to invest more in dialogues on the security situation with the Afghan government. There is also some coordination between China and Russia because to Russia also ISIS is, I think, the main concern in Afghanistan. So until today, I would say China's only interest in Afghanistan is security. China has offered to help in Afghanistan. What is this help going to look like? Well, I think um, China is very good in announcing help in a form of uh, investments, often most of the time actually labeled as Belt and Road investment, infrastructure development, economic assistance. Uh, and China has... Um, offered some help to Afghanistan in the past, uh, for example, in building housing in some of the Afghanistan cities and investing in some infrastructure. But uh, compared to China's investments in other countries uh, in that region, in Central Asia, and in particular in Pakistan, it's just a drop uh, of water, actually. So I think um, symbolically China may um, announce uh, some more infrastructure investment, economic assistance, and so on. But um, in reality, I'm afraid that it's not going to make a big difference in Afghanistan. I think China's help will focus mainly on um, security issues, as I mentioned before, which are, again, actually directed at um, securing China's own border. China has already reached out to the Taliban in recent weeks. Uh, for example, on July 28th, a high-level Taliban delegation met with Foreign Minister Wang Yi. And the following day, the Chinese embassy in Kabul urged its citizens to leave the country as soon as possible. Did China have a better understanding of the situation in Afghanistan than the US or European countries? Well, I th don't think that China had a better understanding or assessment of the situation in Afghanistan um, than than us or, or the US. But I think China reacted faster. Um, so China, we could say China had a better reaction um, to the situation in Afghanistan. 
This uh, goes also back to China's um, fear of uh, the ability of protecting its citizens abroad. Um, for China, the absolute trauma was actually uh, what happened uh, in Africa and the Middle East, in particular in Libya, when the crisis broke out just a decade ago. Ten thousands of Chinese citizens were basically stranded um, without the government being able to rescue them and to get them out of the country. And learning from that experience, I think China is very careful now and is trying to react very, very fast in the moment it can see some sort of um, a violent uh, crisis or conflict emerging. China shares a short border with Afghanistan. It's only 76 kilometers, mostly rugged terrain. Nonetheless, China has concerns over the possible influx of radical Islamists into the country. What does the return of Taliban rule in Afghanistan mean for the situation in Xinjiang? Well, it basically means that China needs to come to an agreement with the Taliban. As I mentioned at the beginning, um, the Chinese government struck a deal um, before with the Taliban. So it's basically a question of money. Uh, how, what, what is the price uh, that China has to pay for securing its own borders? I do think that the Chinese are worried, uh, maybe not so much about Taliban, the Taliban themselves, but about um, different kind of groups that could find a safe haven in Afghanistan, just as Al-Qaeda did in the past. Um, and as I mentioned, um, also ISIS, um, ISIS emergence in the region is, um, is actually the biggest concern to China. So in the end, uh, China, and I think this is what uh, the content of the talks between the Chinese and the Taliban were about, is about what kind of deal can they make with the Taliban to ensure that the border is uh, protected from any of these forces. And not only the very short border, the Wakhan corridor in Afghanistan, but also the border um, to Central Asia, to other Central Asian countries. Um, in particular, the border to Tajikistan is very um, difficult to control because of its geographic, um, the mountain ranges and so on. And uh, as I mentioned before, this is why China has already invested quite a lot of um, security resources together with Tajikistan and Afghanistan in order to try to protect this border. So this is what um, any kind of deal is going to be about, protecting not only the Chinese-Afghan border, but also the borders uh, around Afghanistan in order to prevent any kind of um, Islamic radicals entering these countries and then entering uh, Xinjiang. As we now touched upon the more regional effects of the Taliban takeover, um, is there a role to play for the Shanghai Cooperation Organization? Well, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization is not a security alliance. Uh, it has not never been so far, and it's very hard to imagine it's becoming uh, a true security alliance because um, there are so many different countries uh, that have different interests and which country is then going to take leadership. This has never been really possible within the SEO. Um, so I think the Shanghai Cooperation Organization's role is going to be a platform for these countries such as China, Russia and other um, Central Asian countries to coordinate maybe their security 
activities, uh, maybe to coordinate also security dialogues and so on. But um, the SEO is not going to provide an army to protect the borders. I think um, this is very un would be very unrealistic to assume. Do you think China draws lessons from the US behavior in light of the Taliban takeover for its own geopolitical disputes, especially Taiwan? No, I don't um, think so, because I think the Chinese know very well that Taiwan, for example, Taiwan, but also other regions are very different to Afghanistan. Uh, also, the U.S. presence in Afghanistan is very different to the kind of de facto alliances the U.S. has with uh, countries such as Taiwan. Uh, for the U.S., also the interest in Taiwan is, of course, its own presence in the Asia-Pacific or what we call Indo-Pacific now. Um, and uh, Afghanistan is very different to that. I mean, the reason why the U.S. went to Afghanistan was in order to protect um, their own country from uh, another terror attack uh, such as 9-11. Um, and this is very different to the very um, overall principal interest that the U.S. has in the Asia-Pacific. Also for China, it's very different. For China, um, challenging the U.S., for example, in the South China Sea, it's about territorial claims. It's about China's core interests in defending its national rights. Um, the same accounts for Taiwan. It's also very different to um, the security interests um, uh, in Central Asia and Afghanistan, where it's solely about protecting the Chinese border. So I think... Um, uh, there, there's no real connection between what uh, has happened in Afghanistan and the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan to uh, what is uh, going on right now in the South China Sea, in Taiwan, uh, in the East China Sea, and so on and so forth. Could you tell us what the new China-Afghanistan relationship means for Germany and other European nations? Well, maybe I can just emphasize again that we should not count on China um, as a security provider in and around Afghanistan and also not as an economic provider. Afghanistan is not going to become a hub for the Belt and Road Initiative. Um, China is not going to invest uh, massive resources in infrastructure development and the economy of Afghanistan. Uh, for a while, we may have been hoping that because of um, Chinese assistance, Afghanistan would turn to more stability economic-wise and then uh, resulting from that also in terms of security. I think um, this is unrealistic. As we have seen in the past, um, China's interest is to protect its own border. China's engagement uh, in Afghanistan is going to be limited to that. There may be some room uh, to talk to China about this and to see um, if there are some interests that align with ours, but I think it's it's going to be very limited space. Indeed. Is, is there anything that Germany or European nations should do right now? 
Well, I think there should be a dialogue um, with China, but in particular also with other countries that are neighbors of Afghanistan, um, because, of course, we haven't talked uh, about the interests uh, of Iran, for example. Uh, Pakistan, of course, plays a very special role due to its um, ties to the Taliban and its very complicated relationship um, to Afghanistan. But then also there's India, um, there are Central Asian countries, um, and all of these countries uh, mainly have an interest in uh, more or less stable Afghanistan, um, at least in preventing Afghanistan becoming a failed state and uh, an interest in preventing um, the security situation to deteriorate or for ISIS to find a proper safe haven uh, in Afghanistan. So I think it is uh, very much worth for Germany or the EU to in, be involved in any kind of these dialogues. They are quite a plenty of different dialogue formats already that have been established in the past years between Russia and China and Pakistan and Afghanistan. And of course, in some to some degree, the U.S. have to be involved too, even though there's a lot of mistrust in the region um, against the U.S. Uh, but I think it is worth investing this. Uh, I know that Germany is already has already established also its own dialogue channels to the Taliban. Um, and so we, we already have a foot in the door, but I think um, we can do more to to speak also to the other countries to see um, what we can do for Afghanistan, even if we are not in Afghanistan. Yeah. Thank you for your time and your insights, Angela. Thank you very much. My name is Johannes Alayon. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.